Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. What is up, family? Thank you, Pastor Magno. Oh, man. Can we give it up for Jesus? So good. We're going to get right into the Word. And the scripture is Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather. Thank you so much for the opportunity to grow in relationship with you and with each other. I pray that you bless everyone in the sound of my voice, that it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Look at your neighbor and say, be still. Look at your other neighbor and say, take it easy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Honestly, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I feel like Pastor Anthony and Pastor Marion woke up one day and say, how can we mess with John? You know what? We just throw him over the stage for 10 minutes, see what he does. No, but I'm super thankful for our pastors. They love challenging everyone, and they actually set the example. They challenge themselves as well, and you can see how amazing the church is growing. So can we give it up for our senior pastors? And all of our pastors, really, such an amazing job. I am uh, I'm super thankful to be able to be up here, not just to be able to share with you, but to be able to look into the crowd and see the relationships I have been blessed with. Pastor Fernando, like a father in the faith to me, my amazing, beautiful wife, my buddy from the Marines is here, him and his lovely wife, my family in the back, and of course, Jesus. So today, I really just want to speak to you as a friend, uh, share with you what I have learned, and share with you a little bit about my life. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, cool. So. What I want to do is I want to break Psalm 4610 down in three and show you really what God has revealed to me. And it really is a three-step process of being in proper relationship with the Lord. So when I used to read the scripture, be still in order that I'm God, I was like, okay, I'm going through a problem. God, you got it. Let it go. Just stop doing what I'm doing. Give it over to him. He'll take care of it. And that's it. It's a wrap. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Right? Because when you stop working on things, you don't go anywhere. You don't move. Right? So I took a deep dive into this scripture and it was broken down into three. And the first part is be still. So the sons of Korah actually wrote this scripture. And to my amazement, I thought David wrote all the Psalms. But the sons of Korah wrote this scripture in a time of war. And be still didn't mean stop and give it to God. Being still actually means stop frantic activity, to let down, also stop fighting, and to be still. It's not about just completely stopping. So when I was about five years old, right, I was watching, I think, Rambo or something, and I saw someone jump from a helicopter, slide down a rope, and I said, okay, that's what I'm doing for the rest of my life. So, yeah, so when I was 17, I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to the Marines. I shipped out, and it was amazing. I thought I was going to do it for the rest of my life. But after four years, my military career came to an end. God had different plans for me, and it was time for me to be still, stop fighting, 
literally get out of war and be still. Unfortunately, I didn't know how to do that, mainly because I didn't have a proper relationship with God. And although I may have left the Marines, the Marines didn't leave me. I found my identity in the Marines, and all I was was a Marine, right? And how many of us find our identities in what we do, right? If you're a mother, I'm only as good as my kids are doing well. A father, I'm only as good as, as I'm producing. An athlete, I'm only good as my last performance, right? An entrepreneur, as good as my last business deal, so on and so on and so on. And I found my identity in being Marines. So what do we do as Marines? We frantic activity, we're always fighting, always consistent. And this built up aggression and activity only led me to chaos and destruction, addiction, and all of these things, right? And by the grace of God, after five years of living in chaos, he said, okay, it's time for me to reveal myself to you and show you that I'm God. And I finally learned how to be still, and my life completely started to change. I finally slowed down. And um, I found a church community. I started going to church. I started getting planted. I started to learn how to be still. And that's what the next part of the scripture is. Know that I am God. And the only way I started to know who God was was spending time with him. Getting into the scripture, reading his word, learning his will, way, and character. And just as I was learning how to be still and getting to know God, boom, my life took off again, right? Isn't that life? So you're like, okay, God, I'm starting to get it. I got you. You know, we're on the same team. We're co-laboring. He's like, all right, time to move. (laughs) And that's life. That's the Christian life. Don't let anyone tell you that the Christian life is not exciting because it is definitely going to keep you on your toes. So I was off to California on a full acting scholarship. It was amazing. Because I believe that God stepped into my life and he blessed me with the opportunity to act because acting was really my therapy. As a Marine, it taught me how to actually be in relationship with people, how to understand people, how to be understood, how to receive and and feel all the range of my emotions, not just anger and chaos, right? Acting taught me how to be a person again. But Jesus taught me who that person was. Yeah, we can give it up for Jesus, yeah, absolutely. And I'm telling you, I loved it. California, sunny, acting, going to work, you know what I'm saying, doing acting things, Starbucks, filming uh, independent movies on the side. I was loving it. And at the end of the four years, I graduated and I came back home to an amazing, beautiful wife, a home. We found this church community and I was loving it. I was pursuing acting in, uh, in New York and it was cool. Then 2020 hit and everything came to a halt. Everything stopped. But this time, I learned how to receive it. I learned how to enter this stillness because I was no longer identified by what I did, but whose I was. So then I started, you know, doing what I know, be still, getting to know God, and I was planted here at church. And in that, I felt like God said, you know what, lay acting down. I have something better for you. And with a heavy heart, but a heart filled with peace, I laid it down. And I let it go. Which brings us to our last part of the scripture. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What are you exalting in your life? What are you putting above God? Is it your goals, dreams, ambitions? If when I have enough money, I'll be good. I'll start coming to church. When I have enough time, I'll start spending time with God. 
what are you putting above God? And really, that's the only thing that really allowed me to lay acting down, knowing that God is worthy of being exalted. Worthy of being followed. Worthy of being listened to. Worthy of being in relationship with. And as a man, it's hard to be 35 years old, not have a definite career, not being able to be that man, you know, got everything on lock. It's hard because as men, that's what we're programmed to do. We are literally making sure that the house is in order. So what am I doing? Am I staying home, waiting on the Lord? Hey, where's the next door? Waiting to be opened. God, give me the next blessing. Absolutely not. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So God calls you to co-labor with him. So nowadays I find myself more at church. I help co-lead, transform Pastor Fernando, Pastor uh, Pastor Anthony, which is a huge blessing. I get to co-lead with my wife, the First Impressions teams here at Church Alive. Yeah, absolutely. Give it up for her. Um, I'm here on stage. I get to meet with men one-on-one and just pour into them and see them get unstuck and just build amazing relationships with them. And I'm actually back in school now. For what, yeah. For what I believe is my purpose and calling in life. Because when God tells you to be still, he's not telling you to be stagnant. He is not telling you to be stagnant. He has so much more for you. So... Before I close and hand it over to Pastor Katie, who's going to bring the house down, can we give it up for Pastor Katie? Yeah. I'm going to leave you with these questions. Are you in proper relationship with God? Who are you exalting or what are you exalting in your life? Is it your career, goals, and ambitions? Or is it the creator of the world? Because I promise you he has more for you than you can ever think ask or imagine. And a proper relationship with the creator of the world will allow you to have a proper view of this world, walking with him him through this world because you are not of this world. I love you, God bless. Have a great Sunday. Can we honor him one more time? That was amazing. John, was that your first time ever speaking like that? Ever preaching? Yeah, that was amazing. I wish I spoke like that my first time. (laughs) All right, good morning. Um, If you don't know me, my name is Katie, and I'm a pastor on team, and I'm so excited that I get to share with you guys today. And same as John, I honestly uh, was just praying for this weekend and felt like I was just supposed to share something that Jesus has been doing in my life right now that he's been teaching me right now, um, which sometimes I wish I could do something that I learned a long time ago and be like, yes, look, I overcame this. I don't love when he's like, share something that you're learning now, but you know, I listen to him because we're supposed to do that. So my title today is Go Deeper. Go Deeper. And I feel like that's really what's been in my heart. It's what's been in my head. It's like I can't get it out of my head. Just this phrase, Go Deeper. Go deeper in relationship with Jesus and let him go deeper in my life. Go deeper. Someone say, go deeper. Go deeper. 
And I feel like I've been thinking about this a lot because sometimes we can get complacent in certain areas of our life. Does anyone ever get complacent? Oh, a few people. Okay, good. Um, (laughs) Well, maybe not good, but anyway. Um, We can get complacent in life, and sometimes when you first start something, it's super exciting, right? You first start a new job, and maybe the job is a little bit above your experience level. So there's like this hunger. You want to learn. You want to grow. You want to do it. And then you get to a point where you kind of know how it goes. You're like, okay, I know how this job goes. I know what to do day to day, and you can get into this apathy or this complacency. It can happen with relationships. It can happen in church and in our walk with Jesus. We just get to this point where we're like, yeah, I kind of know how this is going. I'm now a bit apathetic. I'm now a bit complacent until something comes that disrupts it where we need to grow. There's times like if you get a promotion, right, that complacency gets disrupted because now you have to grow into this new role. And I feel like in our faith, sometimes we can come into church, we can get used to what we do here at church. We can get used to songs, we can get used to worship and giving, and we can start to just go through the motions, especially when life gets really crazy. We can just come and go, you know what, I'm just going to kind of keep going through the motions. And sometimes we don't even realize it until something happens in our life that disrupts it. And I feel like Jesus has been doing this in my life where he's been wanting to disrupt things so that there can be growth. He wants to disrupt the complacency, disrupt the apathy so that we can grow. It's, it's really fun. But, um, but it's good because we're growing. Um, James 4, 7 to 8 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That last part seems so simple. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But I feel like as I've been trying to figure out, okay, Jesus, what does this mean? Go deeper. And it sounds so simple. We'll draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. But sometimes when life happens, it just feels like you're trying to draw near to Jesus and all these other things can distract from it. And I feel like this has just been in my heart. Draw near. Keep drawing near. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. Draw near. Draw near. As things are kind of coming all around us, we just got to keep drawing near to Jesus. And then it says, what does it say? Oh, and then God will draw near to you. But the first part says, submit yourselves then to God. So God's going to draw near to us. But we have to have a heart that says, I'm submitted. Because sometimes what happens is we go, at least for me, I don't know, I won't speak for you. But for me, sometimes we go, I'm going to draw near to God. I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to go closer. I'm going to be passionate. And then God draws near to us and wants to go deeper in our life. And we go, "Uh, well, I just don't really want him to touch that one thing. And we kind of start backing away. Because we liked the idea of going deeper, but... The idea of him going deeper in us means he can actually talk to us about anything in our life. And so we have to have a heart that says, you know what, I'm submitted and I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to keep drawing near and then I'm going to let him draw near to me. And when he does, I'm going to listen and I'm going to follow. And there's this passage of scripture. gives me time to switch my page there's this passage of scripture in acts chapter 5 i'm going to summarize a little bit because it's long but you can read it and i'm going to give you just a quick summary of what's happening and then we're going to pick it up in verse 17 and the apostles in this chapter are following jesus they are just they are drawing near to jesus they have devoted themselves their life to worship to prayer to the word to all these things and right before verse 17 there's a passage of scripture that talks about everything they're doing they're speaking teaching the word of god people are getting saved people are getting healed 
Amazing things are happening. And then in verse 17, leaders in the area start to get jealous of this. So in verse 17, it says, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to put myself in the scripture when I read it. And if I was preaching and teaching, and then I got put in jail for that, and then an angel of the Lord came and broke me out. And these people that put me in jail, they're not nice people. They want to kill me, and they want to kill my friends. And if they put us in jail, and then an angel of the Lord breaks me out, I know that these people are coming to look for me when they find that I'm not in jail anymore. So I don't know if I want to go back to the same temples that I was preaching at where I got arrested. Um, and so I just was reading this, and I was like, you know, I think I would be the one that would be like, hi, angel. Um, this, <laughs> this sounds great, but can we actually go preach the word somewhere else where they're not going to kill me? Because, you know, everybody needs to know about Jesus, right? Our excuses can sometimes sound really spiritual. Everyone needs to know about Jesus. <laughs> My, I guess. <laughs> My excuses can sometimes sound spiritual. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So sometimes I get very distracted easily. Sometimes that can happen and and I just thought about that like I think I would be like you know what can we go do this over here actually we've been in jail all night like I we should go eat or something don't we need strength our family may not know where we are shouldn't we go check in with them there was no cell phones like should we, and it's so interesting because they just go back to doing exactly what they were doing before the opposition came and as I was reading this I felt this nudge in my heart like has the opposition in your life I felt like the Holy Spirit was asking me this. Has the opposition in your life changed your mission? Has the opposition in your life changed what I asked you to do? And at first when I asked you to do it, you were excited and you were pumped and you were going to change this thing. But then opposition came. And for most of us in this room, your opposition is probably not strangers throwing you in jail. It's probably something else, but for me, it's looked like, yeah, maybe I'm on mission, but sometimes I've just lost the passion because the opposition has distracted me. It's like sometimes I'm still doing it, but I'm not doing it with joy anymore. I'm not doing it with passion anymore. I've started staring too long at the opposition. And Jesus says, you got to go deeper. You got to go deeper in relationship with me because if all you're doing is staring at the opposition, you're going to let that change your mission or at least change your passion in the mission. You might be doing the thing, but you're not excited anymore. You might be doing the thing, but you're not passionate anymore. And so we have to go deeper in order for the opposition not to change the mission. They literally just went right back out and obeyed what Jesus said, no matter what they had gone through in the jail, because we know jail is not a fun place. And so I just wonder if anyone in here has maybe been able to, as I'm talking, think of some things, think of some opposition, think of some things that maybe have kept you from being passionate again, maybe have kept you from doing the things that God has asked you to do or from breaking up the complacency in your life. And I just want to encourage you that you can go deeper, that I can go deeper. And 
it sounds so simple, but what I've been doing honestly in this season, what I feel like Jesus has been teaching me, is just to keep drawing near, no matter what the opposition is. And then when he speaks, like the angel of the Lord did, obey what he says. And it sounds so simple. But it's just, sometimes it's simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy when there's opposition everywhere. But keep drawing near and then letting him draw near. Meaning, obeying exactly what he's saying. Draw near and letting him draw near. And as we go deeper and deeper into our relationship with Jesus, we're going to find that he has so much more for us. There's so much more for us in Jesus that us taking our eyes off of him, even just for a season, even just for a little bit, we find when we go back, it's like, oh, there was so much more. There's so much more love. There's so much more joy. There's so much more peace. There's so much more vision. He has so much more dreams for you. There's so many more things on the inside of you and me, and we just got to keep going deeper. Amen? All right, let's make some noise for Pastor Katie one more time. As a matter of fact, let's make some noise for John Forrest, please. That's some good word. Okay, y'all can sit down. <laughs> good morning. So you guys, in case you don't know who I am, my name is Chris Flowers. And I've been a part of the Church Alive family for approximately four years now, which is really wild to think about, but um, we have lovely leaders and just good people here with great hearts that chase after Jesus. And it's really a privilege to be able to serve on the worship team, the prayer team, the video production team, teams, teams. We love our dream teams here. If you know Church Alive, you know we love our dream teams. And I really do love the opportunity to be able to serve. Now, a few of you guys didn't catch that. I love it now. But there was a time when that wasn't necessarily the case. You see, when I first came to Church Alive, I was definitely different <laughs> than who I am right now. It was a very specific season in my life. And my wife and I had been looking for a church home for well over a year. And um, by the invitation of our dear friend Ramona, we came and visited the church at the Williams Center. And if I could describe myself then, I would just say, <sighs> I was a dried up prune. I was so exhausted from life. I was so tired and carrying so many things and it had all culminated into one really heavy place. Have you ever felt full and empty at the same time? That was definitely where I was. I had served so long in church. I'm a, I'm a true PK, so I was serving and serving incessantly. Yeah. But, <laughs> But then I had so many other things. I was grieving the loss of my brother that happened very unfortunately. Um, trying to handle my marriage still at the same time. We have a new baby and I'm trying to pour into my career feeling very unsuccessful at that. So it all just came to a head where I was just working and moving and working and moving. And the more I worked and the more I moved, I started moving Jesus out of the driver's seat. And when that happens, we end up apathetic. We end up in those places where we don't even know how we got there. Why do I feel so heavy? Why do I feel empty? What is this? And I got to a point where I feel like I had lost all of my joy, completely devoid of whatever sunshine that I did have. We all have anchors in our life. 
right? For some people, it's kindness, love. For me, joy has always been a real heavy anchor for me. And it was the first time in my life where I felt like I didn't have it at all. So today, obviously, I'm talking about joy, the anchor of joy. So what is joy, okay? Joy is typically synonymous with the word happiness. We use them interchangeably. Um, and joy can reveal itself in the form of happiness, but they're not the same thing. So I would define happiness as a moment of intense pleasure or satisfaction. Emphasis on the word moment, yeah. Moment because it's temporary, it's fleeting, it's just passing through. And as we know, a moment can be a few seconds, a couple of hours, or a few weeks. Either way, we know that a moment is not lasting, and we can't be sustained by something that's not lasting. So uh, joy, however, is much deeper. Joy has roots, as we see in uh, the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That means that joy is an attribute of someone living in accord with the Holy Spirit. So it's safe to say that if we don't have joy, we're probably not living in accord with the Holy Spirit. And when we lose our anchors, we leave ourselves wide open to the swaying violence of the storm. Okay? And in my case, these were things that I allowed to diminish my joy. There are lots of things that can do that, like distractions. Maybe you have a demanding job, kids that need something every five minutes. Maybe social media. And whatever holds your attention holds your heart. That's right. Comparison can diminish your joy. Where I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to have or who I'm supposed to be connected to based on a standard that somebody somewhere invisible set. <laughs> and that just leads to self-doubt, which is all rooted in fallacy. It's rooted in lies. <laughs> Another thing that can diminish your joy, self-motivated success. As I talked about earlier, anytime it's good to have dreams and goals and drive, but anytime that you try to take up life of your own strength, of your own will, of your own plans, and you move Jesus out of the driver's seat, you're going to end up in a bad place. That's why the remainder of the scripture in Galatians 5 is so poignant. Verse 25 in particular, it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, I love the definition of joy by Rick Warren. He says that joy is the unsettled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Now let's check out these highlighted words. Unsettled assurance. Joy is unsettled assurance. Joy is quiet confidence. Joy is a determined choice. Joy is a choice. It is a choice. Uh, it's really something that you have to nurture with the Holy Spirit to see growth there, to utilize it as an anchor. And joy, like happiness, is a good feeling, but it is also a knowing and knowing that this thing, this feeling, this goodness is dependent upon who Jesus is rather than who I am, who I'm supposed to be, or what's going on around me. And I understand because we're human, we can get caught up in our losses. I get it. I get it. I've been there. But um, <laughs> the one thing that I realize, we can feel low, we can feel heavy, but just because we feel something doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Right? 
So in Psalms chapter 51, we meet King David and he's really just fed up with a toll that sin and distractions has taken in his life. And he cries out in verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. If you notice, he didn't ask for a return. He asked for restoration, meaning uh, to bring something back to its normal or familiar condition. His joy was never lost. What he needed wasn't lost, but he did need restoration. See, I had to get to a point just like King David where you, you, know, you just get fed up with doing things your own way. And I knew enough to know that God was the way out. I knew that. So God, because he's so faithful, he met me in my submission. He, read, he met me in my surrender and he was waiting for me to make that choice. Sometimes all we have to do is make that one choice. God, I give it up to you. That's enough. And what's funny is that he used the environment around me. He used me being at Church Alive. He used my wife at the time. Her faith was just stirring like it was never before. He used men's transform for me to see people who really loved God experience change. He used what was around me. I want to ask you to consider what anchors your joy. One thing that will help to anchor your joy, regaining your focus. In Hebrews 12 and 2, it talks about how if we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our greatest example is Jesus. In Jesus, even Jesus had to choose to focus on the joy set before him, fixing his eyes on the purpose and the vision that his sacrifice would fulfill. The second way that you can anchor your joy having renewed identity in Christ. It's so funny that Katie and John were talking about identity and relationship. Knowing who you are and God's real intentions for you changes everything. We reconnect to our true identity through the word of God. And through his word, we can find reassurance. We can find encouragement. And that's what I had to do, reconnect to my Christ-like identity. And you know what's so interesting is that in that word, I was able to find that food that I needed. So in those dark times, I could encourage myself with Nehemiah, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. John 10, 10, I come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future reminding myself of the promises of God was what I needed lastly what can anchor your joy spending time in his presence so simple because God just wants relationship most of all in Psalms 16 uh, he says you make known to me the path of life you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand Another version says, in your presence is fullness of joy. You see, that re-anchoring that I needed was found in the presence of God. That's where I received it. In fact, everything that you need can be found in the presence of God. If you need restoration of any kind, joy, peace, healing, you can find it in his presence. I can promise you. So I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes. I just want to speak heart to heart. Maybe you're in need of restoration. 
maybe you want to re-anchor yourself in the fullness of God's joy. Maybe you know Jesus and you just know you need to get some things together. You need to turn some things over to him. Maybe you're tired of doing things your way and you're ready to get back in step with him. Or maybe you don't know Jesus, but you know you're tired of doing things your way. I can guarantee you what you need is here in this moment. And the only thing it takes is a yes, a decision to give him control, to put him back in the driver's seat, take these tools that he's given us to re-anchor ourselves. We're not meant to carry life on our own. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He is your refuge and he can be your savior if you let him. So right now, if you have a yes, if you have a surrender in your heart, we're going to pray together as a family. And if you're ready to make that change today, just pray along with us. So repeat after me. Thank you, Father, for loving me and meeting me in this moment. I ask that you come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I give over to you everything that I'm carrying, my good and my bad. I give you control of my life. Help me to walk in step with you to anchor myself in your goodness and power so that I can be all that you've created me to be. So with eyes still closed, I wanna ask you to be brave. If you've made the decision to say yes to Jesus today, on the count of three, I just wanna personally acknowledge you. One, two, three. If you made the decision, just raise your hand high enough so I can see it. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand back there. I see those hands in the corner. I see that hand up front. Okay, you can put your hands down. Father, we thank you for the hearts dedicated today. We thank you for a simple yes. We thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. And you don't demand anything but our hearts. Lord, I thank you for everybody here today. I thank you for your people. I thank you for their surrender, for their constant yes, because God, in that yes is freedom. In that yes is joy. In that yes is everything that we need. So right now, I lift up your people, anything that they may be giving over to you, God. We lift it up. We know that you are the God of salvation. You are a healing God. You are delivering God. And everything is in your hands. So we thank you now for victory. We thank you for anchoring. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate those people who have made the decision to say yes today.